The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 22, The Monthly Mash with Andrew Roberts. Welcome to The Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and for this week's episode, we have another edition of the Monthly Mash featuring myself and, of course, Andrew Roberts. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, happy to be wearing my golfer's t-shirt, just like you are. Uh, so shout out to uh, Kelly for this great cause. If you guys don't know go check out golfers um and her page on instagram or facebook and support that as much as you can so that's the yep. reason i want to wear this shirt this week perfect yep i got my shirt i had i decided to go with a uh, long sleeve since um i'm moving from temperate weather clothing to weather. more yeah. colder weather clothing and uh yeah if you guys don't know about it definitely go check her out um, she was on the podcast episode six. I I, I, remember, I remembered from last time to look it up, so I have it. She's episode six, and those get better, folks. And um, so this week we have a uh, CJ Cup. It is. I know this is a podcast faux pas, but this is Wednesday before the the CJ Cup starts this week. Um, so anyone who will be listening, the CJ cup will have happened, but this week, the CJ cup is in, uh, Vegas at shadow Creek. And the last time that anyone saw shadow Creek was at the original match between tiger and Phil in, I believe 2018. And, Mm -hmm. um, you'd be hard pressed to, if you can remember what it looked like, if you got to see it, it doesn't look like it's in the middle of, uh, the desert in Vegas, but, um, I think it'll be interesting week. What do you think about it, Andrew? Yeah, well, and just to clarify for viewers, the CJ Cup is usually played in Korea on uh, Jeju Island. Um, Justin Thomas has won a couple times. Brooks Kepka won in 2018 uh, when he ascended to world number one. Uh, but because of the COVID thing, you know, we've discussed this uh, in monthly matches, and Joe has discussed this uh, before. Uh, they have moved it to Shadow Creek, and then next week, uh, they moved the Zozo Championship, which was in Japan, uh, to Sherwood Country Club, uh, just outside of, I believe, L.A. Uh, in California. So uh, a couple venue changes. Obviously, JT will be defending this week. Uh, unfortunately, world number one, uh, Dustin Johnson, tested positive for COVID, so he's out. Also, Tony Finau pulled out. Uh, there was no reason given by his uh, manager or anybody. Uh, but still high-level players, Justin Thomas. Uh, Brooks Kepka makes his return after a couple months off, rehabbing his knee and his hip. Um, you know, top-level players, top-level ball strikers like Kevin Kisner. Uh, some of the guys that played in the Shriners last week in Vegas are there. Uh, so it should be a really good tournament to check out. Plus, uh, from the match in 2018 and from what everybody said, Shadow Creek is a must experience golf course if you could ever get yourself on there too yeah it looks exciting i'll be interested to see what um brooks does this Mm -hmm. week he's kind of um just in a few interviews i guess that he's had uh since announcing that he'll be back this week you know injuries have been keeping him down like you said he's been having hip 
and knee issues. Um, and it said that he hasn't watched any any lick at all of golf, including the U.S. Open, of course, taking a dig at uh, Bryson. Um, but I think this week should be interesting. I think um, I'm going to go with uh, Xander to pull off the win this week. I think he's he's poised for a win. He's been pushing the top for the past few tournaments, and uh, I think he's he's going to do it this week. Yeah, Xander's a great pick. I mean, he had a great U.S. Open. Um, I believe I don't think he's played a tournament since then. Uh, don't quote me on that, but uh, yeah. he's had a he he had a great U.S. Open. Uh, he had a great finish to the FedEx Cup season. Um, you know, played played extremely well the last two times at the Tour Championship. I remember he won it in 2018. So, um, but you know, not a lot of players have seen Shadow Creek or, or, or played it. Um, it would be very hard to pick against Justin Thomas, even though it's not on the same course. He loves this event. You know, he's won it twice. He's finished in the top 10 multiple times. Um, but obviously, I, I'm very interested to see what Brooks Koepka has done. Uh, two months off, said he was rehabbing. He's been rehabbing in San Diego. Um, physical therapy said he's going to play this tournament. He's going to rehab it some more. Um, he's going to play in the Houston Open, which I believe is just before the Masters because he helped design the course that they are moving to um, as a player consultant. And then he's going to play in the Masters. So obviously he wants to be ready for that. I uh, had a disappointing final round at the PGA Championship. Uh, he's been asked this week on a number of topics. He said a successful week would be winning and only winning. He said he believes his body can go four rounds. Um, you know, obviously he hasn't watched a lick of golf because he'd be really motivated and itching to get out there. Uh, very similar to kind of his wrist injury before he, uh, came back uh, a couple of years ago and finished T2 at the Masters. You know, he's itching to get back. He did kind of take a dig at Bryson, but he also said he's very impressed by Bryson's transformation too, um, lifting weights, things like that. But he has said in many interviews that he is not going to follow the trend of Bryson because he's playing his own game. He feels like he's long enough. Obviously, he still works out. Um, so this is just going to be an interesting week from all perspectives. Um, if I had a pick, um, if Matt Wolf is in the field, I'm going to take Matt Wolf. He was hot last week, got burned in a playoff. You know, congrats to Martin Laird for winning the Shriners in a playoff over Austin Cook and Matt Wolf. But Matt Wolf is a ball striking machine, solo second at the U.S. Open, tied for fourth at the PGA. Um, I just love him. Um, you know, he just has to get the putter down because his game tee to green has been outstanding. Um, remember last week in the third round, he shot a 28 with three eagles on the back. So he can go low. So if he's in the field, I'll take Matt Wolf. If not, I'm going to pick the defending champion, Justin Thomas, just because he loves this event. Even though it's on a different course, he's still going to find a way to uh, try to get it done, at least get a top 10 and maybe a win. I think it's always hard to go against uh, Justin Thomas. He's—I feel like he's always a good pick, regardless of whatever weekend it is. And uh, Matt Wolf is in in the uh, tournament this weekend, and okay. I would say that he's a good pick as well. I mean, like you said, second in U.S. Open, second last week, and yeah, I mean, three three eagles was it? Three eagles on the back yeah. last week. Yeah, hold a, hold a wedge out from one ten and eleven. Uh, Eagle that was either the par 5 12th or 13th hit driver hybrid in there and then had a hybrid, I think a hybrid or a three wood on to 15, the short par four and made Eagle there. So, 
Uh, yeah, he, he shot 61, which was his uh, career low on the third round. The Shriners played very good the fourth round, just, uh, you know, part of the first hole, ran out of gas on 17. But uh, congrats to Martin Laird for winning that last week. Unbelievable bunker shot on nine, the hole out for Eagle. That was, uh, he was buried up. So guys go to the, you know, the PGA Tour YouTube page or somebody probably posted it. Buried in the bunker after his second shot on the par five ninth. Uh, just had to blast it out and release it all the way into the hole for an eagle, and that kind of catapulted him to uh, carry the momentum into the back nine and then uh, win in that playoff last week. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of Matthew Wolf, the last time we chatted on the Monthly Mash, uh, we were talking about the U.S. Open, and um, I can't remember if we were already two days into the U.S. Open when we first... I think I think we, we were. Talked. I think we were... Yeah. I think we podcasted that that Friday night. Um, yep, and just kind of kind of talked about it because Pat, I think Patrick Reed was leading at the time, and he was uh, close. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think Wolf was either four or three under. I think he was like one or two back. Um, at so, time. since that time, some big changes happened. Uh, Bryson and Matt Wolf both went low, and uh, despite. Uh, what we thought was going to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, Bryson showed that um, hitting it long pays, pays off. But um, since then, though, we know that his driving distance wasn't the only thing that led to his victory. In fact, he was actually better in terms of strokes gained with his short game in terms of approaches. And I believe his putting compared to the rest of the field, which is probably what really set him apart from the rest of the field, which led him to his ultimate win at uh, the U.S. Open. Yeah, and he was the only player all week to shoot all four rounds at even par or better. Even Matthew Wolf had a round. He shot 74-75 in the, the third round, but he came back with a nice, uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a 67 or, or a 66, something like that. Um but yeah, he, he, Bryson was the only player to shoot all four rounds and even far better. Like you said, he figured out the undulations of those big greens. And even if you missed the fairway in the rough, he was hitting nine irons wedges when some players were hitting uh, six irons, seven irons. Um, he just, he found a way. He found a formula. Didn't hit a lot of fairways. And yes, we talked about it. The rough was thick. They did not change the course at all. Um, but Bryson just took it apart. Um, and I did not see that coming. I did not. Um, this is the, I think they've had five U.S. Opens at Wingfoot. This is only the second one under par. And I think the only other one was one or two under par. And he was six under par. So that kind of gives you uh, a reference. And he was the only player under par for the week because I think we'll finish second at even. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would, just, just give you a reference of how dominant um, he was. And Bryson just figured it out, um, you know, bombed it on a lot of holes. Um, on both the short par fours, he took out driver. On, on six, most people didn't question the play. On 11, they questioned the play um, because it was three, it was like 387 most days. But uh, the strategy worked for him. So kudos to, to Bryson, to his caddy, to his team. You know, of everybody figuring out strategy to his, you know, his club maker Cobra, 
I mean, they've been with him from day one, and they've been on this crazy journey. You know, L.A. Labs for uh, giving him, you know, he's the only player on tour that has 14 uh, graphite shafts, but obviously they're stiff from uh, grip to tip. So, you know, because he's got pretty legit club head speed. Um, and then Bridgestone, because that week, I can't remember if it was before the week or during the week, you know, he went to Bridgestone and said, hey, I want, you know, a golf ball, or can we change the compression a little bit so it can spin a little more out of the rough while staying within the realm. So they did a bunch of testing, and, you know, he obviously kept his ball, but I don't know if it changed anything, but they did a bunch of testing with him, and obviously all the things that he did paid off. So, I mean, that's the reason Bryson won is he – I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say he was the most prepared, but I think he was the best prepared to handle all the situations he got out on the golf course. Yeah, I was not ready for him to win. Nothing against him or anything along those lines. I just remember at one point, I forget if it was maybe Friday or Saturday, it was when him and Patrick Reed were pretty much vying for the lead at that point. And someone on Instagram, it was like PJ Tour, Golf Digest, one of those outlets posted which one is going to be the winner and i just wrote on there hot take neither one's going to win and man after bryson won i was just i was trolled a good a good about and i was i was actually surprised uh but i mean honestly i had no i really didn't think that either patrick reed or dechambo was going to keep it together i figured that someone else was just going to fall fall down and someone else would just creep back up because it was so close going into either saturday or sunday which whenever that was posted but Super crazy. Bryson is talking about making some more uh, changes for his game coming up, especially for the Masters. One of which I know was that he's thinking about increasing the length of his driver um, to hopefully increase some more speed so he can hit the ball further. Um, I'm not sure of any other changes, um, if that, if you're aware of any, Andrew. Yeah. So uh, Golf.com posted an article because they caught up with him last week. Uh so last week at the Shriners is the only event he's playing between now and the Masters. So like Joe said, he's testing drivers with 48-inch uh, shafts. So, And the thing is that was revealed after the U.S. Open, Bryson has three or four different drivers, um, pretty much with the same loft, same everything. So he doesn't have a typical gamer driver like most PGA Tour players. Uh, they talked to the, the Cobra rep, who I think – has been on the Golf RX, Rick's podcast, Golf WRX. I think it's like the 19th hole or whatever the good one is. Don't quote me on that once again. Um, he's been on numerous podcasts, and he's talked about that Bryson will not hesitate if he feels like the driver that he has in that bank doesn't sound good or it's not going as far. He'll he'll go to this tour rep and ask him to give him one or different you know, number of drivers because obviously we know Bryson – has done some weird things in practice a few years ago at the Tour Championship. Bridgestone brought out about three or four dozen new uh, Bridgestone uh, Tour X balls. And Bryson had his caddy spray it with water so he could simulate playing in the mornings with dew to see how far exactly they would go launch angle everything, which, I mean, that's why he's the mad scientist. But he doesn't technically have a gamer driver, so he's going to try 48-inch drivers. He said he wanted to hit about 2,000 drives total between uh, now and the Masters, working on some with speed training, going as fast as he can, some controlled ones, some, um, you know, obviously with with different uh, head weights, so like, you know, D2, D3, maybe D4, you 
you know, D1 maybe drop it into the C's, you know, stuff like that, just so he can get a feel of what he feels like is going to be his best driver. Then probably Cobra, obviously they'll be on site, but they'll make a bunch of different ones. So if he's not feeling it one day, he may go to his uh, backup driver or backup drivers. Uh, the other thing he has said is he'd like to gain about five more pounds because I believe he's at 240. He wants to go up to 245. So obviously he's visiting his trainer in Denver uh, a few times, but still executing all this stuff in his home gym in the Dallas-Fort Worth area because if you remember, he went to SMU and he's been residing in there. So um, look for more protein shakes, more steaks, more potatoes, more eggs, more bacon, more uh, Bryson Bolt. So, um, and I know you've done a video and several other people have done a video, should you bulk like Bryson? So um, those are all the things that I'm aware of, at least from the golf.com article posted that he is going to try between now and November 12th when the master starts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he does at the masters, especially with it being such a big stage. Not that he doesn't know what that's like being at the U S open and just obviously yeah. winning that recently, yeah. but I feel like the masters has its own aura of itself out of, you know, all the other uh, major championships and um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, well, it's the, it's the only course that you play every time because the U S open, the British open, the PGA change courses. Yeah. I just think, you know, everyone always talks about the masters and there's just something about it that seems to set it apart from everything else. Um, it'll also be interesting given the fact that it's in November this year and, uh, just not going to have the same kind of feel to it. I'm not, they haven't, they're not going to let fans in. Right. Nope. They've said there are no fans on the ground, but kind of going back to what you said, I mean, it's going to be interesting. They're going to play that in November and then it's going to be the first major of the wraparound in April. So, Yep. But what I've seen, it looks great. But talk about the Masters. There's the Champions Dinner. I mean, you want to be a part of that Champions Dinner, wear the Masters green jacket. You know, Tiger's serving the menu this year, so that should be interesting. You know, the amateur uh, champion or the, the low amateur gets to stay in the crow's nest. Um, guys like Ches Reeve, Matt Kuchar and everything have relived those memories. I mean, just the food on the grounds, getting pimento, sandwich, pimento cheese sandwiches. You know, all these things of the Masters and just, like you said, the aura behind it, the drive down Magnolia Lane, um, you know, many players have described it. And like you said, it's going to be interesting because, you know, the, the Azaleas may not be in bloom because that's part of the reason they play in April, you know. Um, and it's it, it's just going to be interesting, you know, but a lot of players are looking forward to it. Rory has said he's looking forward to it, and obviously Tiger to defend his title. A lot of players are looking forward to kind of seeing what it's going to be like in November. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit colder. Um, you know, it might play more like the U.S. Open kind of at Pebble Beach a couple years ago, you know, maybe in the in the 60s for highs, maybe low 70s. Um, but it's not going to be kind of those warm spring temps like they're used to. But it's still, honestly, it's still going to have a great aura. It's still probably going to be a great tournament. It's going to be fun to watch because, you know, one player might play well one year, and then the next year, they may not make the cut or they play a lot poorly. And that's the funny thing, kind of going back to what I said earlier, is they're playing the same course, but, you know, sometimes you have a great year and sometimes you don't. So, Yep. I, unfortunately, uh, did not win the raffle again for next year's Masters tickets, uh, unfortunately. However, 
I did find at another grocery store this past weekend that they have pimento cheese. So I'm super pumped because I did not think I was going to be able to find any <laughs> after moving from North Carolina, but I was wrong. And now I'm super excited because now I don't have to make it myself for when the masters comes on. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, they call it a tradition unlike any other. I mean, that's just kind of the thing is, I mean, the, the traditions, you know, the masters has its aura. The U S open is rated as the toughest test in golf. Um, you know, the British open is kind of like here are the elements, woo, you know, the PGA championship is glory's last shot. So, but this year, but well, that's the way they used to, but now since the PGA has moved to, to May, it's, you know, I don't know if they phrase it like that, but, but that's what it used to be when it was played in like right. August. So, yep. um, I mean, it was played in August this year, but not by choice. So, right. Well, the, uh, we were just talking about Bryson and, you know, his changes he's going to make at the masters. And most recently, uh, another PGA tour player, Matthew Fitzpatrick had called out Bryson and I don't have the exact quote, but basically said that he's making a mockery of the game of golf and that he, um, it's basically it's, it's lost its skill. There's no skill in hitting the ball far. And, um, I would one highly disagree with that statement because being able to do what Bryson has done, you know, scientifically and systematically improve his entire body, his swing and all these things, his game. And let's get real. I mean, this past weekend when he was at Shriners, I mean, he just drove, I don't know what number hole it was, but I mean, I think it was, I think it was, six or, it was six or seven. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting the ball a mile, and not once in, I forget what it was, however many years, has anyone drove the green, and now he's setting himself up for, I believe it was par four, so an eagle opportunity, essentially, and there is still skill in that, even um, after that, this is, this, even if he's quote-unquote not being accurate, he's still able to get it out of the rough, get it up onto the green and make an eagle, make a birdie or make par, whatever he's doing. And at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter because guess what? He didn't win this past weekend. So get over it. So people who are not hitting it as far as he is still beat him. Guess what? Hitting the, hitting it the furthest may definitely help, but it's not going to always win you the tournament. You have all the other parts of the golf game that you still have to execute. And, uh, you know, be a hundred percent on or close to a hundred percent to win. And clearly it wasn't his weekend. I mean, he still did well, don't get me wrong, but he didn't win. No. And, and part of that quote was, you know, you're right. He said he made a mockery and he said, you know, it's, it's kind of unfair that he's taking driver and he can even hit wedge out of the rough and get it closer sometimes than when I'm in the fairway, you know, and it's it, like you said, it's taking a skill out, make a mockery. Well, um, Fitzpatrick did this at the BMW Championship, which is the flagship event of the European Tour. Now, the winner of the flagship event of the European Tour was Tyrrell Hatton. Is Tyrrell Hatton long? Absolutely not. I mean, he could probably he could probably get it over 300 every once in a while, but he's probably in the low 290s. You know, he's right around where Fitzpatrick hits it. Fitzpatrick, I think they said, averages like 292 or 294. I mean, that's not short. 
but it's not as long, you know, as the longest players on the PGA Tour. I mean, a lot of those guys are hitting it between 310 to, you know, around Bryson 325, okay? So that's a pretty good-sized gap. Um, another thing is Matt Fitzpatrick played his college golf in America. He played at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. So he got to see high-level college players. He's played on the PGA Tour. He's had chances at places like Bay Hill, uh, the WGC FedEx Invitational, uh, the Valspar. He's had chances. Yes, he's won more on the European Tour, and he has not won on the PGA Tour. So I think he may be a little bit bitter that he hasn't won on the PGA Tour, but he's had plenty of success on the European Tour. He has endorsement contracts. He's made money. My issue with that is, like you said, okay, Bryson played a par four that's 387 yards. If you look at that par four, it was a hard dog leg left. He has to hook that ball pretty significantly. And he only got it on there two out of four days. That's 50%. I mean, that's still pretty good, but it's still 50%. So it takes some skill to drive it where he did, you know, 300 carrying it like 355, 360 yards, landing it on the green. Because even if you land it on, doesn't mean it's going to stop, you know. But Fitzpatrick's taking issue that, oh, I don't hit it as far and I'm hitting a 7-iron. Okay, you've got some things to do. Number one, he's got, he finally replaced his driver. He had a 2000, I think, 16 or 17 M2. He finally put the new Titleist TI, uh, TSI 3 in his bag, which just came out on a tour a month ago. Um, he's got Ping S55 irons, which are at least five years old, I'm pretty sure. Now, he's got new Volke wedges and, a, and I believe, a Bettinardi putter now. But he's got some older equipment in his bag. And most people have said, if your equipment is five years or older, you may want to think about replacing it. Now, pros are kind of different because they have ties to things like Henrik Stenson, had a long tie to his Diablo Octane 3 wood from 2012. He finally replaced it last year with an Epic Flash. But the technology has improved in the last five years, Matt Fitzpatrick. Use it. The other thing is the European Tour and the PGA Tour have a fitness trailer. So you can work out and you pretty much have a good amount of money that you can get a membership or get a personal golf fitness coach or trainer and things like that. So all I hear from him is whining and complaining about this when he could do something. I mean, Jack Nicholas took note, Bryce, and said it's very impressive what he's doing. Justin Thomas is impressed. Uh, Brooks Kepka is impressed by what he's doing. Most of the players that I've heard are not upset with Bryce, what Bryson's doing. Matthew Fitzpatrick seems to be the only one. And Bryson replied to him, hey, if you want some help, I'm willing to help you out, you know. He, he, he took the high road on it. Um, but, you know, Fitzpatrick just wants to whine. I mean, what I would say is just stay on the European Tour because you're not having success on the PGA Tour. And then, you know, the Americans will want to beat you in the Ryder Cup if you're part of Team Europe. So, you know, you either adapt or, you know, you just sit back and complain. And, and we see that with, with people in everyday life and, and things like that. But, you know, you've got the tools, the resources, and the money. Use it or lose it. Yeah, and uh, we were talking before uh, we <clears throat> we started to record this, and 
I was reading, it was either on Golf Digest or Golf Magazine had put in, you know, a commentary basically on Fitzpatrick's comments. And they were saying that if anyone were to hope that he would continue to hit it further and further, it would be him or people who don't hit it very long because that would ideally, you know, roll back the rules and, you know, some sort of, um, you know, gameplay standards in terms of the ball or clubs or whatever they would decide to do. Just like when people complained however many years ago when everyone was using uh, belly putters, you know, enough people complained and then they made that change that that wasn't allowed anymore. Um, So if anyone wants to keep complaining, and then also you brought this up too, it doesn't matter. Even if they do roll, you know, roll the ball back or equipment or whatever it may be, guess what? Bryson's still probably going to hit it further than you are. Even with the even with the rollbacks in terms of the rules, so at the end of the day, the best thing to do is you know if you can't beat them, it's time to join them for the most part, at least in terms of this uh, atmosphere. And I'm still part kind of back going back to what I said was driving is just one part of the game. It's definitely crucial, but you still have your approach shot, you still have you know your short game around the green, and you still have putting. And just driving doesn't win you doesn't win you uh, the tournament every weekend. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, last year at the Italian Open on the European Tour, which is a Rolex series event, which is a high level, I mean, people were talking about Matt Fitzpatrick may have the West best wedge game on the tour, and he's a pretty darn good putter, okay? So he definitely has an advantage over Bryson in those two areas. He's just picking one part of Bryson's game and saying, competitively, it's unfair because I can't do it, and he's doing it. That's what it sounds like to me. He's just picking one part and saying, oh, he, he's, you know, he's going to blast it by me 30 or 40 yards. Absolutely he is because he's using his athletic advantage. Now, does that mean he's going to win every tournament like you said? No. I mean, he finished, I think he may have finished either top 10 or at least top 15 at the Shriners. So he didn't win it, you know. Yeah, he won the U.S. Open. I think that drew even more attention to him. But he had been doing this since the beginning of the year. I find it interesting that Matt Fitzpatrick wants to speak out now, but it might have been because it was at the, excuse me, the BMW Championship, the flagship event of the European Tour, and he figured, oh, I've got this protection from the European Tour. I'm across the pond. I'm not on the PGA Tour playing the tournament this week. Let me air this out. Yeah, it sounds like just a, a lot of complaining and just because he can't do it. Yeah. But uh, continuing along the lines of complaining, uh, might as well talk talk about this. This past weekend, again, at the BMW Championship, Tyrrell Hatton had won, and uh, there's a lot of uproar given the fact of his uh, outerwear, which happened to be a hoodie. Um, I don't see the point in people complaining about this. I understand that there is a a whole, you know, backstory to golf and all, you know, everything that goes with it and whatnot. But part of that has to do with, you know, why it's been so hard to grow the game. Um, you know, especially before this year, before it was the only sport that most people could participate in, uh, during this pandemic. But I mean, when you have these, uh, high and tight rules that make it hard to, uh, follow and people just, don't even want to necessarily be a part of that. Um, you know, you're going to push people away. And I mean, let's get real. We're talking about a piece of outerwear that has a hood on it. 
That is it. It's not like he had profane language on it or a very vulgar image. It was a hoodie with Adidas. And it's honestly probably one of the more professional looking hoodies that I've ever seen. Um, granted it's a hoodie, but still looked pretty good in terms of hoodies. And lastly, um, you brought up some people. I, I can't remember who, but however many weeks ago at the U S open, Matthew Wolf's caddy was wearing a hoodie with the hood up for however many holes when he was caddying and no one said a word or said, Hey, that's really unprofessional. You should not have your caddy wear a hoodie or at least don't have him wear the hood up, you know, put a beanie on, put some ear mitts on or whatever. Like no one complained then. It's mainly because Hatton won this past weekend at, you know, a big event on the European tour. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And that's a great point because someone brought that up. They said, Matt Wolf's caddy wear a hoodie. Now, part of it I think is because he's a caddy. And part of it is because more of the attention was on Matt Wolf. But here's the reason Tyrrell Hatton wore a hoodie. Number one, it was cold in England. It's October. And he wants something because every golfer has tried to find either a zip-up or a thermal or something, like you said, fashionable that you can wear on the golf course that doesn't restrict your swing. And, that, and part of the reason is, one, is he wanted to make a statement and number two, he wanted something that didn't restrict his swing. And he said that during the on-course interviews or off-course interviews. Now, I would agree also with your sentiment. Because he won the European Tours flagship event, that drew a lot of attention to it. But Justin Thomas has worn a Ralph Lauren polo hoodie because he's been sponsored by him. Xander Schauffele has also been sponsored by Adidas. And I don't know if personally in tournaments, but in ads, he has wore that same hoodie. Okay, so the reason this was brought out, number one, is for the modern generation. Okay, Tyrrell Hatton's in his late 20s, early 30s, which is similar to our ages. Okay, number two, it's functional for the golf course, it doesn't restrict his swing, it keeps him warm. And number three, he's trying to make a statement because he's trying, like you said, he's trying to make the game more access accessible for people that play public golf courses, whether it's in the United States or Europe, or just anywhere around the world. The reason this kind of chafes some people is because the country club mentality is, oh, you have to wear polos and slacks, and, you know, you can't do, you can't ruffle the feathers too much. I loved it. I thought it looked awesome. I thought his look looked great with the uh, new Adidas uh, tour, like Climacool shoes. Um, he was very well put together. I thought it was a great fashion statement. I think it's – the only thing is – I think it was like Westlake Golf Club said that even though Tyrrell Hatton is wearing this someplace in England, you know, this country club in someplace in England, we will stick and abide by our rules. It's like, dude, it's like your board is probably made up of 80 to 90-year-olds that doesn't want to scoff tradition. I mean, you're probably making people pay five, six-figure dues, and you want to get out of the mentality. Look why players are popular. Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka. Roy McIlroy, all these guys, because they are athletic, they are fit, they find and dress very well with fabrics made by places like Nike or Adidas or Under Armour or just any of these companies that are fitness forward, but they're also fashionable and, and trendy, and they're trying to set a look 
to draw more attention to people that want to play golf, especially the public that doesn't pay the five, six figures with the private stuffy country club. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people were making a mockery of this and making such a big deal when it's like, dude, it's a hoodie. He was trying to stay warm. He wasn't trying to restrict his swing. Adidas came out with it. He's sponsored by them. He tried it out. He loved it. He wore it all, wore it all four days. You know, get over it. First of all, if, if uh, Adidas is uh... – numbers of hoodies didn't spike after this whole controversy uh i don't know what else is going to do it but i'm sure it did and then secondly i mean like you said i'm sure you don't have much bundling up to do in arizona at least in the summertime but you may come come wintertime for sure but i'm sure you're just like most golfers including myself when i'm trying to find some sort of you know outerwear that it's hard to find that you know will let you move where you need to layer up, especially once it starts to get colder, where you need to layer up, you have multiple layers on, you need to be able to go through your full range motion of the swing and still stay warm and, but, you know, be able to swing, right? It's not easy to find, you know, one piece of clothing that can necessarily do that, especially if you're not paying, you know, through your nose for, you know, some jacket that's like $250, like, no thanks. I'll just, I'll just pass. I'll just buy it three t-shirts and wear those. Um, but I mean, it's just so crazy that people are just upset of about a hoodie. It's, it's just a hoodie. I just don't get it. Speaking of, you also have mentioned, I, I thought of this, you know, why, you know, Nike has those new tiger woods, like polos that aren't necessarily polos. They don't have a collar to them. They're almost like t-shirt esque. They still have yeah. the buttons in the front there. Yeah, they still look professional, but you could tell it's not polo. Why hasn't, you know, not to my knowledge, why hasn't anyone like thrown a fit over that? Right? I mean, it's not, it's not your standard polo. Yeah, it still looks nice, but I mean, you lost the collar, right? So now it's now it's just a t-shirt, as far as I'm concerned, with some buttons in the front. Yeah, that yeah, that like uh, turtleneck. I had a couple, and nobody said anything to me when I wore them. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great point. I. It's just, it's kind of the country club mentality versus, I mean, it, it's it's like we see in the golf fitness realm, and I'm sure some of the guests on your podcast and some of the people that we know in the circles, whether it's Facebook group or, you know, Instagram, direct messaging or things like that could talk about this. I mean, there are people still stuck in their ways. You got to wear polos. You, you know, have to wear certain colors. You can't act in a certain way. Um I don't lift. I don't work out. I just play golf. And it's like, well, with all these things, you're going to get left behind. So my thought on it is that's fine. You're going to get left behind. I'm going to change with the times. If you don't want to change with the times, too bad. You're just going to get left behind. That's just kind of my, my thought on that. I'm, you know, I'm putting my stuff out in the public domain, you know, with the intention of getting it out to people, especially the golf fitness community with all my variations of lifts. And, you know, I, I still like wearing polos, but, you know, my shoes are the Nike Air Zoom Infinity Tour that Kepka designed. It's a running shoe designed like a golf shoe. I mean, there are a lot of, like the Air Max 270s, you know, they're, they're a running shoe, and then they turn it into a spikeless golf shoe. There are skateboard shoes, the Nike Janikowski, that are spikeless golf shoes. I mean, things are getting trendy. Things are getting fashionable. 
but they're being functional for on and off the golf course. I mean, because guys like Brooks Kepka and Tyrrell Hatton and Xander Shoffley and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy drive the market. So these R&D departments are going to listen to them. Yep. I mean, look at all the foot joy, all those new models of yep, the flexes, the, the basically. Cyclist, yeah, the cyclists, and yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yep, and they look like golf shoes, but they are they have some athletic and functionality to them. Yep. Even the Flex Coastal or Coastal Foot Joy one doesn't even look like a golf shoe. It looks like a normal, like relaxed sneaker, but it has the you know the grips grips on the bottom to still function as a golf shoe. And I mean, look at all the Jordans, right? All the Jordan golf shoes. I mean, those are all just remakes of his sneakers essentially. And then of course they have just other golf shoes, but I mean, people are, are using those and um, I'm pretty sure that you can buy specific ones and I'm pretty sure they can be spikeless, but I'm pretty also sure that you can put on spikes to them as well if you, if you needed to. Um, so yeah, I mean, times are changing and uh, hopefully for the good. I mean, one of the, one of the things I don't know if you've seen, but like um, the same company that puts out all the Titleist at Cushnet, they started another um, brand called Union Green, and mm-hmm. their their whole mantra seems like that doesn't matter who you are or what you do or how good you are at golf doesn't matter. I mean, join join them basically, and you're if you golf, hit a swing club, hit a golf ball, you, you're a golfer. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, you look at all these casual brands that are getting into the golf market. I mean, Columbia, you know, they they got into the golf market and they're known for outdoor stuff. Uh, Echo and Skechers, they used to be casual shoes. Um, now, you know, I don't know if he's still with them, but Freddie Couples used to wear Echoes. I mean, Skechers, they sponsor like Matt, Kuch, uh, Matt Kuchar, uh, Brooke Henderson on the LPGA Tour. Um, and another interesting one, I just thought of this. Um, if you guys don't know him, go search him. He's awesome. Uh, Eric Van Royen, he's a PGA Tour and European Tour player from South Africa. Plays college golf at the University of Minnesota. He wears the joggers on the course that are that come down only to his ankles. I mean, yep. and there's been no complaints about that. I mean, people have said I probably wouldn't wear them, but there's been no complaints about that. There's been complaints yep. about Tyrrell Hatton's hoodie, but not Eric Van Royen basically wearing a jogger and casual Echo shoes and around. Yep. But, you know, it's all it's all because such such is life in the golf community. Yeah. But casual, no, like no. You said, casual brands are getting involved in golf because yep. they realize one is people can do this for a lifetime, and number two, there are a lot of casual golf recreational golfers and they're trying to market and target for that. Yeah. I mean, no no disrespect to uh Eric Van Royen, but I would say that no one's complained because he hasn't won. <laughs> and, it, and he hasn't well, he hasn't a, won or he's won yeah. one event he's won once year. right yeah it was the scandinavian masters last year yeah and he was with the same clothing company i think it's grayson i think is who it is yeah, yeah so. you might be right but yeah he hasn't won a major a major you know big kind of tournament and that's yep. probably why no one's gotten on his case yep. um but yeah it's it's uh crazy any Anything else going on in the golf golf world that uh, you know has lit your well, fire as of late? Well, I think you know the interesting thing that made the rounds uh, during this past week is kind of once again the distance debate. Um, and Rory McIlroy and, and Dustin Johnson got involved. Uh, 
You know, DJ doesn't change his shafts very much, so I think he had his 10-degree sim in the uh, Fujikura Aventus 7X, uh, and he hit a ball, and it was 192.5-mile-an-hour ball speed. Um, the big thing that people wanted to make a deal about was Roy McIlroy was doing the same thing. He usually uses the Mitsubishi uh, chemical. He's been using the AV Tensai Raw Orange in his sim since the middle of this year when they unveiled that shaft, kind of in the middle of this year. He put the same shaft in his driver and achieves 192-mile-an-hour ball speed now. He's playing at the CJ Cup, but they have not released any information if he is using that Fujikura Ventus 7X or that miss, or if he's stuck with the Mitsubishi Tenshi AV uh, raw orange shaft um, because he's had the raw or the Mitsubishi shafts in his uh, woods, I believe, since 2015. But he used to use Fujikura shafts uh, when he turned pro up until 2015. So um, that's kind of an interesting thing that has been making the rounds. But other than that, nothing that I'm aware of. I mean, big thing in the equipment community, Timeless has already released their TSI line of both drivers and fairway woods. People have said they'll be available to the public uh, end of this year, so either December or an early January, February 2021 date. Ping has new drivers, woods, hybrids, and a new uh, driving iron, the crossover. Uh, the G425, and they will have the Max, uh, the standard and the LST versions in both the drivers and the three woods. Uh, I saw Callaway release new uh, prototypes for the Apex MB Forged and CB irons. Um, so all those things you can see on either Golf.com, Golf Digest, uh, Golf World, uh, Golf WRX, which is a great leader in the equipment. Uh, they usually post a what's in the bag of tournament winners, so it's kind of interesting to see. They also have forums for regular golfers. They also have classifieds where you can sell and buy used and possibly new equipment. So, um, But that is all I'm aware of. And also, Titleist released their new uh, Pro V1X and Pro V line at the Shriners uh, Children's Hospital Open and many players put them into play so i think that's all as far as the equipment market uh have not seen a whole lot of new stuff from the fitness or lifting community or just any other uh golf news as far as i'm aware of nice yeah all i know was um that titleist released their new ball at shriners basically the pro v1x and uh from what i've he heard pretty good things even um mm -hmm. i've seen some people i want to say they're more at some titleist fittings that have been around lately or just kind of titleist events that they've hit some of those balls as well and people are pretty impressed uh, yeah with that ball yeah i read a story last week that uh stewart sink i think he plays the x he hit one chip shot and he put it immediately into his bag i was like that's uh, that's pretty bold right there to take just one chip shot, and you're you're like, oh, this is much better. I mean, because he hadn't hit any full shots or anything with it, and he's like, I'm sold. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and it's funny because I'm a member of Team Titleist, and one of the things they asked was kind of the input as far as what you'd like to see with the ball and alignment. And so uh, the ones they released in 2019, they kind of had shaded in arrows on the sides. 
these ones have longer arrows that kind of look like something you draw on paper with like two lines and then kind of, you know, the carrot on the end. So they ask members that are members of the team titles form. It's free to sign up on uh, titleist.com uh, for input on that. So that's kind of cool. Um, cause they give, uh, cause I played a titleist bowl and I have title sweaters and a title putter right now. Um, but they kind of ask whether you're a high level amateur or team titles member to pros input on that, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. So how about what's, what's new in the golf world with Andrew? I saw you won a tournament last weekend. Yeah. I played in a, a member guest at a private club up here, uh, talking rock, which, uh, is designed by famous architect, Jay Morish. Uh, I was told he did the redesign, I think maybe on St. Andrews or Carnoustie, one of the two. Um, so that's pretty prestigious. Yeah. Uh, so it was a better ball tournament. Uh, I ended up shooting, I think 77 the first day by myself. And then I think our gross was like, I think it was 74. And then the second day I shot 70 by myself and our, uh, gross was, I think around there. So, um, we ended up winning our division by two shots. So nice, man. Well, congrats. Yeah. And you're taking TPI? Yes, I am taking TPI on December 12th, so I've got to go through the okay. pre-recs. Um, I will be taking it online on Saturday, December 12th. So I will be joining nice. Joe and many others in the community. And then yeah. probably in the middle of next year, I'm thinking about taking the Power Level 2 course. So nice. I'm going to continue to uh, expand my knowledge in that. No, folks, I have not given up my CSCS, but considering I'm on the monthly match with Joe and a, a golf fitness guy, uh, TPI made sense. So thankful yeah. that the uh, company I work for supported me and paid the entire uh, fee for that. So that's pretty cool. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We get like 1500 continuing ed for the year each year. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah TPI is totally worth it. Um, I'm sure most well, of I it mean, yeah, yeah, I've won't be new to you at all, but it's still cool to just like, I don't know. I didn't do it online, but I'm sure it's still a great kind of uh, event to listen to. I know Greg Rose and Dave Phillips have been doing them mainly. I know that Lance and uh, Jason have kind of come in and out on certain ones. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, But in person, it was awesome. There was no, no Greg Rose or Dave Phillips, uh, just uh, Jason Glass, Lance Gill and Mark Blackburn, which was still oh, was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, Blackburn was the, the PGA uh, teacher of the year last year. And he, I mean, he's pretty busy. I mean, he's got like Charlie Hoffman and Kevin Chapel and Ches Reeve and a handful yep. of other college and high level uh, professional on both the PGA and LPGA tour. Um, but I know, I think it was the last webinar they had Claude Harmon the third on, which I thought was super awesome. Um, yeah. For those who are not familiar, he's the swing coach for Dustin Johnson. Uh, Brooks Kepka and a, and a handful of other PGA and LPGA uh, tour stars. So um, really cool to see that. Jason Glass is awesome. Um, and the, the Greg Rose, Dave Phillips. I mean, any of the TPI people are, are, are top level. So um, if you get the money and, and you want to pull the trigger, Joe and I would both agree. And, and I'm sure going through the course, I'll have more perspective. But we both agree, especially if you're in the golf fitness community, it's totally worth it. Without a doubt. And then once you have that, you can go down the different paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many. I mean, 
yep. fitness, medical, power now, junior, yeah. and golf. And um, you don't have to be anything special. You can take any of them. Um, obviously, it would make most sense to go along the path that you're kind of already down, but it's always great to uh, learn more about the other perspectives um, in all the different avenues, like for golf or juniors, for my my sake, I would have not, you know, no idea what those are more about, but I think it would be interesting to take just, um, just a little bit too much money for me to just invest in those for no particular reason, uh, just at this time. But, uh, otherwise I think that'll wrap up this episode. Andrew, thanks for spending time again. And, uh, guys, if you have any questions or, um, any comments or feedback on any of these, please do not hesitate to reach out to myself or Andrew whatsoever. And uh, we'll make sure if you have a question, we'll get it answered on here and uh, we'll, we'll take your feedback and put it towards uh, the show. Yeah. You can find us both on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So uh, most of the usernames that appear on here on the podcast are straightforward. So like you said, don't hesitate to direct message us or send us anything. Um, or leave any comments in Joe's group on Facebook. He can always uh, send them to me, um, or Joe can answer them personally. So, yeah, we're always open for questions, suggestions, comments, improvements, you know, anything uh, that you, the listener, want. All right, that does it for another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. Again, as always, we are forever grateful for you taking the time to download and listen to us just chat especially these monthly MASH episodes where we just kind of ramble about what's going on in the world. And every now and then we answer questions from you. Like Andrew was saying, if you have any questions, comments, want to give us some feedback, please feel free to either message myself or Andrew on Instagram, Facebook. We also have a uh, free Facebook community, which is linked in the show notes below. Uh, feel free to join that where you get tons of free information from myself and Andrew and other healthcare providers. There are also uh, PGA professional golf uh, teachers in the group that if you have any questions about your swing, they are always more than helpful to answer your questions in there as well. Also, if you guys weren't aware from the last few episodes that I put this out on, I have uh, created nine free workouts to help you improve your golf performance. If you want that PDF along with all the workouts, uh, that is in the show notes as well. Just click on that link and you will have the emails uh, sent to you to get those workouts. Um, Like always, thank you again for listening. And that's all I'm going to ask for today. I really appreciate you guys listening. Keep working hard. Keep striving for excellence in everything that you do. Because when you feel great, you golf great.